everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and thank you very much for joining us. Last episode was a doozy. A lot of you, this was the first time for you checking out the show. Looks like Balance of Composers, a pretty popular band. I knew that already, but if this is your second time joining us, thank you. I promise this show won't suck. Go back, listen to others. You'll probably enjoy those. Anyways, the guest this week is Nathan Gray, the vocalist from Boy Sits Fire, who is uh, putting out a new record, or has put out a new record by the time that I post this episode. Uh, Check it out. I personally have not yet, so that is my fault, but that should not stop you from checking it out. Propertyofzack.com, great friends of ours. Go check out their website. They have all the most amazing news, reviews, editorial features that you could ever want from a website that covers independent music. Check it out. We love them. They love us. It's a mutual love fest. So there we go. Some other orders of business. Review the show. Holy shit, you came out in droves. I got like four reviews, and we are over the 100 review mark for the United States store on iTunes. That makes me extremely happy. So honestly, for those of you who stepped up this past time, and everybody was from the U.S., so I really appreciate that. Um, And I'm not being sarcastic about it. I think the last two or three reviews just completely hit the nail on the head as far as what I am looking for people getting out of the show. So thank you very much, and it really warms my soul that you are understanding and appreciating what it is that I'm doing with this show. So thank you. And if you haven't yet, now's the time. Do it. Step it up. I appreciate it. I read it. I soak it in, and I go, thank you. I would also like to highlight something as well. Uh, One of the staff members on the podcast, Mr. Tom Richfield, he is our illustrious editor and has made my life just so much better because of his hard work. He recently graduated. Go to his blog, his website. You can find it on our Facebook page. And uh, give him a congratulations. He graduated. He's now an official member of society. So props to you, Tom. And before we get into my conversation with Nathan, uh, two things I wanted to hit on. One is the fact that I got my first, I don't even know if I would call it hate mail, as I've said in the past. I love suggestions. So people that want to email the show can find the email on the website, 100wordspodcast@gmail.com. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like to contribute guest ideas, um, and a lot of them are now coming to fruition. Tumblr is an important avenue for the show. Like, it seems to be a lot of people find out about the show through the publishing platform Tumblr, which I am using for the back end on the website. Um, And there is an anonymous feature where people can post comments on the blog saying like, hey, blah, 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 you suck. And then they can leave it anonymously. I'm completely familiar with this scenario because I've seen it happen on so many other websites. I received my first anonymous comment that was uh, trying to steer me, just trying to steer the show in a certain direction. And I I thought it was, you know, at first it was like, what the fuck? And then second, this is a person that's just listened to like one show and doesn't really understand the context. But it was just one of those things where, and here, I'll, I'll lay it out. The comment, I'm not going to read it word for word. This is me paraphrasing it. It was something along the lines of stop talking about yourself and your bands and the experiences that you've had because we don't want to hear about that. Something along those lines. And while I do appreciate that because I am really fucking cognizant of trying not to be like, hey, this is me. I'm being a self-indulgent asshole and just talking about myself the whole time and uh, you know, whoever I bring on is an opportunity for me to talk about myself. I can easily see why something like this could turn into that. 
I don't want to be self-indulgent, even though I do like being the center of attention. I am an only child. These are things that I know about myself. I really don't want this show to be just about me because essentially that would be really fucking boring. And I don't think the show would have existed as long as it has for 60 some odd episodes if it was just about that. So anyways, with that insecurity off my chest, I just thought it was really funny. I was like, oh, cool. I feel like I've made it. I feel like there's some badge of honor where someone's being like, yo, fuck that dude. Stop talking about yourself. Have the interview person just talk about themselves all the time. Don't really try to share any context. But it was like, okay, I get it. And that's fair enough. Check out. Don't listen to the show. I understand if that's annoying to you. Because what I do, I'm going to give you a little of my, I wouldn't even call it strategy. But I would say you want to relate to people, even though that I know a majority of these guests that I have on. Sometimes these are the first conversations I've ever had with them outside of like five minutes at any given time. So I want to kind of lay out like who I am. So it's like I'm not just some random blog that's like, hey, talk to me because you should. I want to let people know that, you know, I might have had similar experiences I might have shared some of the same things as they have in their past. Um, And that way, you know, it kind of brings us on the same level. And then that way, it's not this whole imbalance like of you're the band, I'm the interviewer, that's it. Or you're the person creating art and I am the interviewer and that's it. Because that's not what I'm trying to create here. Uh, It's just people sharing their experiences that happen to be involved in independent music and culture. Done. There we go. (sighs) Can I be more whiny in that? I apologize. Anyways, now we're going to talk about Nathan Gray. Poisons Fire is such a huge band in the sense of uh, they've been around for, since, as Nathan will reveal, since 1994. They broke up for a few years. Now they are back. New record on Bridge Nine. Excitement is at its fever pitch for the band. And Nathan still had time to be like, yeah, I'll talk to you for... We could have honestly broken this up into a two-show part, but I decided not to. So you're just going to get this massive bulk interview, and that's the way it's going to be. You'll notice one little caveat. During, I don't know, about half an hour into our interview, I was so stupid, and for whatever reason, I decided to unplug the microphone that I'm talking to you in. And so what happened is it reverted to the microphone in my computer. So I'll go from sounding like this to sounding like I'm in the distance and you can hear that I'm just talking in a room. So I apologize. That was me being fidgety and uh, yeah, I fucked up. And that was just a rookie mistake and I apologize for that. But it really doesn't diminish the quality of what he is bringing forth and the audio quality isn't terrible enough to where it's like, oh my God, this is unlistenable. So just wanted to put that out there. And that was not our editor's fault. He's going to try to polish that up to the best of his ability, but that's me. It's all on me. I take responsibility. Anyways, Nathan Gray, amazing dude. Like I said, we could have probably talked for about three hours, but I decided to not make that a marathon conversation, more specifically for him. So yeah, here's the talk. Talk to you afterwards. That's perfect. 19, I want to say 98. I, I think that's shortly after A Day the Sun came out. And so you're you're at Showcase Theater in Corona, California. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly certain that it's a headlining tour you guys are doing. So here's here's me, uh, impressionable 18-year-old uh, Ray Harkins. Well, uh, like only getting the record maybe about a week before you guys came through the town. Right. 
Today's a sun went out. Yes, exactly. Is it a totally dick move to correct you on the title? No, 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 no. Because you said came out. And I don't want to be inaccurate with that. And that's, that, that, that's, that's absolutely a, a novice move on my part. What an asshole. The, no, wor- the, 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 the worst. But so right. you are obviously the worst kind of person ever. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, this is perfect. Right. I, I, I'd never seen you guys live before. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I know that more than one person has probably told you this, but watching you guys play that night, it, it hit something in my brain that all of a sudden just because at that time I had just like started a band myself and we just started to play out in Southern California. And mm-hmm. My band didn't fit in with this sort of stuff that was happening in Orange County. You know, your your throwdown, eighteen visions, and type of stuff like that. Right, right. And so, so what, watching what you guys were doing, I was just like, honestly, I was I was moved close to tears of just like, what this is this is exactly what I think that band should be doing. And right. I think the next night you guys played in Santa Ana at Coos mm-hmm. Cafe. And I went to that show as well. And it was honestly, it was one of those things. Like after those two shows, I was like, "Yo, I'm devoted to Boy Sets Fire for life." I, you got me. You got me for the rest. Right of on. So good job. You drank the Kool Aid. Way to go. I did. Was that like a common experience for you guys when you during that time and obviously you know it, preceding that, um, where it, it was like people had those sort of like epiphanies with Boy Sets Fire? Because I don't feel like you were a band that was like, oh yeah, I was just like casually into them. It's like you either got it right, or right. You, or you did not. Oh, yeah. No, definitely one of those love or hate bands, you know, and probably still are in a lot of areas. It's funny because I have to figure out what's the correct way to answer something like that, because I'd be like, oh, yeah, fucking people blown away constantly by the boys. That's fine. You know, it's like, of course, <laughs> there's, there's a, uh, I, I hope, a, a more humble approach to answering that. But um, it was really cool for us. Very interesting. Because when Boy Sets Fire got started, and still has been since, there's this cult following. Mm-hmm. And it's bizarre because we're a band, as you know, but it's very bizarre that most shows, music is the last thing people bring up to us when they come up to us. That's true. Like, it's more like, you guys, I mean, and it's heavy shit, like... Uh, you know, I was being beaten and raped for 10 years by my father and your music got me through it. Like that kind of shit, you know, Um, where people like in these extraordinarily horrible situations somehow found strength and meaning from what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And there were times like, seriously, we'd go back to the van and just sit there (laughs) because we were drained emotionally from doing the show. But then, shit people would say to us like we just shake our heads staring at each other like what the fuck have we done oh yeah like we were just gonna play some music oh my god now my heart hurts i just like i just want to go throw up and lay down for a while like that's totally true i mean i'm so glad that you you went down that road because i think it is it's something especially when you're starting a band when you're you know late teens early 20s like you you don't have any cognition in regards to the fact that, yeah, heavy shit could be placed on you right. where it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's weird because especially when you do, you're young, and everybody that's young wants to change the world. You know what I mean? That's just, it's ingrained in us. It's, it's nature that um, you're supposed to feel that way because that's how society keeps moving and that's how evolution keeps moving. But still, sometimes you're not prepared for what you're going to get, you know? Yeah. You're like, 
yeah, we're going to change people's lives and change the world. And holy shit, we're doing it. And it's weird. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's intense. Like, and, and nobody at that age is ready for it. I mean, it's, it, it definitely prepared me for a while. Like, and I, it's, it's funny because I don't want this to sound disrespectful to anybody who's a fan of ours, but it actually got me prepared for, for a while I was working as a uh, uh, employment counselor for people with special needs. Oh, okay. And, you know, not, not to say that our fans, you know, whatever, but right. it's, I, I, I'm not trying to make that connection, but it definitely prepared me for social work mm-hmm. to an extent, you know, that um, because shit gets really heavy within that arena and things you have to deal with and talk about and think about, especially like in special needs uh, department, because oftentimes people are very untrained in those positions. Uh-huh. And a lot of times abuse happens. It's rampant. Right. It's awful. Yeah. So dealing with sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, economical abuse, where people are stealing stuff from people's accounts, stuff like that. It's rampant. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So it sort of prepared me for that shock, you know, yeah. of people coming up at shows and just randomly laying the heaviest shit on me ever, you know? Right. So it's uh, it's weird. Like it was like this band that did social work. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and, uh, it was, and, and the only thing you could do, I mean, cause how do you respond to that other than thank you. And I'm, I'm glad that helped. And, and you have to go into a weird mode with it because you definitely, if someone's laying something that heavy on you, you don't want to go into, whoa, whoa, dude, why are you saying that to me? Or like into, oh, fuck, uh, and act real nervous. So you have to mature real fucking quick. Yeah. You know, and, and learn how to take that shit and to at least not let the people who are telling you see how bad you're freaking out yeah. at that moment. You know, I think that in part it comes from Voice Such Fire and I, you know, I wouldn't go deep into this, but just to give a, a brief account, members and everything, we're, we're pretty broken group of people, mm-hmm. you know? And I think maybe that comes out in the music, you know, and the lyric. We've we've gone through a handful of very heavy times on our own then together. And I think when we got the band together, all those disorders and problems and issues we put it out through the music because that's what it's sort of like our psychologist couch, you know, psychiatric couch. Sure. So I guess maybe that helped people connect. Yeah, it it manifested itself in that way because, you know, that was that was the you know confluence of everybody's experience coming together, whether it was intentional or not. So to uh, to to back things up, you personally, Boys That's Fire waves the uh, Newark, Delaware flag. Were you born and raised there? I was born in Wilmington General. Okay. And which is in, was in Delaware. Now it is not a hospital anymore. Uh, it was torn down many years ago. I think probably because I was born there. But um, <laughs> they're like, "Fuck that! Don't need any more of that coming out." <laughs> yeah, Wilmington General, and then I lived in in Newark, Delaware, up until I was about ten or eleven, and then moved with my parents down to Florida, but came back. I always had to come back. I, I you know, it's you have those places that even if most everyone else in the country or the world goes, what the fuck is Delaware? Oh yeah. You just, you, you have a connection. And so you just go back and I love it here. So that's why I'm still here. Yeah. 
I just say I always loved I, I love the idea of when bands, you know, had this very large sense of pride about where they came from. Like, I mean, you know, not, mm-hmm. you obviously don't see that with Delaware because there's no bands that come from Delaware. But like, you know, right. And that's that's what George Thurgood, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sorry. You and George Thurgood, right. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, we're very influenced by him. So. Um, it's funny because I think we did that very purposefully mm-hmm. as somewhat tongue in cheek because most people who cited where they're from had a reason. Right. You know? <laughs> That's true. It's like New Jersey or New York or, you know, wherever, LA or something, you know, I mean, they had a reason to say where they're from. Us, we had no goddamn reason to fucking <laughs> tote Newark, Delaware, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was sort of a fun sort of tongue in cheek thing. And, and it, it is sort of funny that how many things as a serious political band, quote unquote, mm-hmm. tongue in cheek shit we got away with yeah. in, in the things we did, you know, and and that nobody picked up on because they were too focused on the serious side, which we never got. But it was like, OK, cool. Well, whatever people grasp on to, that's fine. But, you know? Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just sort of cool. Plus, we're pretty proud of where we we're from. And when we got together, we um we did make it a point to put Delaware on the map to an extent because most of the bands, great bands started in Delaware. There's a lot of great bands that started back in the day and probably are still going in Delaware that never get the fuck out. Yeah. They don't tour. They don't do anything. It's like, guys, what the fuck? Okay. Well, fuck it. So we made a very specific determined move. We are touring immediately. We are doing, getting the fuck out of here. We are doing something with, with this band. Yeah, we're not just gonna sit around, play the local bars, and just fucking give up. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just too many bands have done that, and we're not gonna do it. Yeah. So Well, that's the... that was part of the motivation was to say, hey, we're from here, and we're doing it. Sure. You know? And so, what, what was your uh, what was your family structure like? Do you have brothers and sisters, and what were your uh, what were your parents doing? I was and am and always have been a single child. My dad is a pastor, and okay. um, yeah, which is very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's something yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, something there. It, it's actually really funny because people have confused Voice of Fire with being a Christian band in the past and even recently, uh-huh. and I think it might have something to do with being raised around that stuff a lot sure. to where some of the words I use get mistaken. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It's sort of churchy talk sometimes sure. when actually I'm speaking out against it. But anyway, I'll back up real quick. So I was raised uh, by my mom and dad. You know, I had a very strong family. My mom and my dad, we grew up incredibly fucking poor. Mm-hmm. Shack, fucking house falling apart i i actually found i found pictures of my old house and i was like oh my god yeah like, i just <laughs> I, hear, I look at it I was like i didn't know it was that bad yeah because like, at the time it's funny because i always had a very strong family my parents had a lot of pride in themselves and and our family and um you know i remember even if the house was a shack, a crappy little piece of shit, and there was plaster falling off the walls. It was immaculately clean, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I remember my parents would, you know, go to Goodwill or wherever, they'd get my clothes, and they were always, like, really nice. And I always had to tuck my shirt in to go to school. I'd get my ass kicked constantly because mm-hmm. I looked like an asshole. Right. <laughs> Public school, everybody's trying to be cool, and I go in there looking all fucking dressed up like I'm going to church. Right. <laughs> but but at the same time, it built a lot of respect for myself, you know? Sure. Uh, 
as ass kickings will do sometimes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the way that you, you know, your parents, uh, even though they obviously didn't have the financial means to provide for you, they wanted mm. to, you know, they want, they took that responsibility seriously. Cause like, obviously you see a oh, lot, yeah. you see a lot of kids that are raised in, you know, poor family situations from a, a monetary standpoint. And mm -hmm. they, they don't have a sense of pride because that wasn't given to them because that wasn't something their right. parents afforded to them. So it's great. It's great that you had that experience. Yeah. And it, I, you know, I, I would directly link it to, my grandparents, my, my parents' parents, my, my dad growing up. Um, although, you know, I, I love my mom, my pop-up, not the greatest dude in the world. Uh -huh. And, and my dad had a pretty rough deal with that growing up and got into drugs, all this stuff is in, in his early days, which, you know, most people that find God and stuff, that's, they go through a bunch of shit first. When he, my mom, my grandfather, my mom's dad, sort of became his surrogate father mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and did for a lot of people. And um, it, it's hard because I'll go on a rant. I'll just start bragging about my grandfather forever. But he, he died recently, uh, and you could tell the effect he had on people. The place was fucking packed, you know, like mm -hmm. just – and, and I, I accredit a lot of my – family life to him because he t he took my father under and he I, I i would say made him the man he is that's incredible i mean that's like he sounds like obviously one of those sort of salt of the earth pillar of the community like one of those guys that everybody went to for everything and anything and he would always say yes it was yeah absolutely yeah. You, if you could have heard the speeches given you know it's just it, it was incredible it was a very touching moment when he died to have people come up and say all the things that you knew he was, yeah. you know, and, and being brought up in that environment. And it, it's funny because being brought up in that environment with, and to be honest, my grandparents, my parents, very conservative Christians. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and me being this crazed, whatever the fuck I am, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I didn't grow up in that weird, oppressive environment that a lot of people grow up in when they are part of this type of family. Mm-hmm. It, it, I grew up in a very open family. You were allowed to debate anything. And when you were done debating, you had to shut the fuck up and be family. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was no, this is how it's going to be. And this is how you believe and this is how you have to do it. You know, there was a point in my childhood where I was required to go to church with them until I reached a certain age. Then I was allowed to do whatever the fuck I wanted to, to an extent, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it, it was cool being brought up in that environment and i think that's actually what inspired my activism or my you know my my belief system and things like that is that my family although they have a very different viewpoint than i do it was more important to teach me to think for myself than it was for them to instill their values yeah that's 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 huge like that is such a yeah. like you said yeah. that's that's something that isn't typically afforded to um, that experience. And so for you, yeah, to anyone really, that's you know true. what I mean? I, it, it's crazy. Like I remember it actually pissed me off sometimes because I remember when you're a kid and you're trying to be rebellious mm -hmm. and like, and your parents won't let you do something. You're like, man, my parents won't let me do this. And then you realize like other kids are like getting beaten up and fucking, you know, all this shit. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> have it bad. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking 
yeah. other people getting kicked out of their house. I remember I couldn't I couldn't try to get kicked out of my house. <laughs> like, yes, fucking, I could do everything in my power. And I swear, one time my dad came real close because I remember he gripped me up and almost knocked me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. And but. He, oh, I pushed that poor man. I still apologize to this day to that guy. For <laughs> <laughs> shit I did. And I remember him, like, sitting me down and actually, like, saying, you're never going to get kicked out. Yeah. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Stop <laughs> trying. Like, he knew what was going on. It's like, I, I, I love you. You're not going anywhere. Right. Like, that's incredible. You know, if you yeah, reach yeah. a certain age and you need to go out and do your own thing, then that's fine. But I'm not going to kick you out. That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, so, it, was, it was a great life. I, it's funny because, you know, looking back, you know, at the time, obviously, I didn't appreciate a lot of it because no kid does. No. You know, but um, but when you look back, it's like, fuck, I had an awesome life. Yeah. Like, we were fucking broke as shit, but fuck. Yeah. Like, but, you, yeah, because you, 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 don't, you don't have perspective, and that's all that really, you know, that, that, that's exactly. what. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so as you, uh, as you started to get into, so were you down in, in Florida for what I would consider your formative years as far as like going to, you know, high school and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, for most of it. I, I did my, um, my senior year back up here. Okay. Um, actually in Maryland, right over the border from Delaware. Okay. But, um, but most of my formative years, yeah, were in uh, Florida, in and, Pensacola, Florida. And why did you guys move down there? Uh, well, my mom and dad were both going to theological college down there, uh. and my dad was a deacon in this church, and we lived in a trailer park on the property of the church. Nice. So it was like it was just an yeah. opportunity that you guys had to take. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically. And so, so as you started to, you know, enter high school and obviously, cause you know, that, that's what the, those four years is what really kind of starts to define a person as far as like what they get into and all that type of stuff. Like, yeah. cause I imagine <laughs> this was, it was a confluence of a lot of things where it was like, I'm sure that's kind of when you started to get into independent music. And then I'm sure that's, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's where you started to question the belief system that you were raised with, or maybe that was even younger. Yeah. So how, how, how'd you navigate all that? <laughs> There were two things that changed my life forever. One was finding punk music. Uh, the first band, I believe, was Black Flag. Um, because I was listening to metal at the time and just whatever came on the radio. And this guy, Gordon, I went to school with. I always remember him because he's a fucking weirdo. But he gave me a tape of uh, In My Head by Black Flag. And, um, and then just every once in a while would give me other bands to listen to. And it completely threw me on my ass. I was like, this is amazing. It's fucking just raw energy and hate. It's just like fucking awesome. It was just rebellious and creative and uh, and catchy in its own way, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was that that built my musical path. And then I, I will never forget what changed my political path was I was looking in a Time magazine, and there was a picture of Abby Hoffman in his American flag shirt. And um, I was like, who the fuck is that dude? You know, and, and it went through this sort of story about Abby Hoffman, uh, Jerry Rubin, and the Yippies and stuff like that in the 60s. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, why have I not heard of this? This is awesome. Like, you know, just this whole movement that was political, but at the same time, satire and fun and just exciting and rebellious and 
just funny at the same time mm-hmm. and, and, and somewhat violent and crazy and just, you know, it, it was just awesome. So I started researching Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, these guys, uh, you know, they're the court cases they went through, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely politicized me. It made me feel that there was something more and that there was a way, because I was always the class clown. So it just sort of resonated, you know, yeah. that, you know, I already have that youthful rebellion. Plus, I like to make people laugh and just have fun. So, fuck, this is it. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, this kind of summarizes who I am in this, in this, yeah, yeah. in no, this movement. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because the two defining moments in my life was finding, and, you know, one was earlier in my life, one was later in my life. But um, the, the two defining people that I found in my life were it, I was just thinking how funny it would be right now if I said Jesus, but two <laughs> <laughs> funny people, yeah. my Lord Jesus Christ and <laughs> Abby Hoffman. No, it was Abby Hoffman, and then one day after all of my religious upbringing and my fear of certain things, finally picking up a copy of the Satanic Bible and and reading Anton LaVey mm-hmm. and just going, that's it. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's yeah. the same fucking thing as Abby Hoffman. Right. Except with religion. Right. The guy is fucking with people and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, and, and creating, creating thought, creating anger and comedy all at the same fucking time. And it's just, it charged me again, you right. know? Um, so I would say, you know. And was this, was this all during like high school is like when your head started to get kind of cracked open with this stuff? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Got it. And um, it just, you know, it really changed a lot of the ways I thought and approached life and approached uh, the world around me. Yeah, I love, I love the way that you're describing it. Sorry to interrupt, but I just love because it's no, like right. it really, it, it totally does. Like when you have that sort of epiphany, like whatever you're mm-hmm. exposed to, whatever, like, you know, I mean, I can mm-hmm. specifically remember like when I was, you know, 12 years old and watching the first Rage Against the Machine video of like, of being like, oh, the world isn't all right. And just having yeah, that, yeah. having that, mm-hmm. having that singular thought and exactly what you were mm-hmm. saying where it's like, you know, oh my God, like there's, they're talking about religion and satire and all these things that resonate yeah. with me. And it, that everything that you knew previously is just kind of like in the dust. It's like, well, that was, that was oh, me. Yeah. Complete bullshit from now on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just incredible. It was funny because, you know, growing up in a Christian household and everything and going to church at a fairly young age, I mean, you know, I had the fear, of the devil and demons and all that kind of shit. And, um, I don't think it was mostly inspired from my parents as much as it was from the institutions we involved ourselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, when I finally read Anton LaVey, it was funny because later down the road, I read Peter Gilmore, who, you know, is the new head of the Satanic Church or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, we had the same experience, you know, although, you know, he actually personally knew Anton LaVey. It was like, I, I did the same thing. I was, you know, I was in church, all that stuff. I was like, where the fuck are the unicorns and the hobbits? This is ridiculous. Right. Like, none of this shit makes sense. Um, and when I, uh, so I always thought, well, I guess I'm agnostic or atheist or something like that. And I read that book and I was like, oh, oh, I'm a Satanist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had no idea there was a book written just for me. Right. <laughs> This all makes sense to me. Like I, finally, I, somebody put it into something. Right, like, and I, I love, I love also that you know, 
when you do have that experience, how you really do feel like it's just so singular where it's like, dude, this, oh, yeah, yeah. this like <laughs> I, I just got into something that fucking no one else knows about. Like, <laughs> right, right. holy shit. But then it's really funny too when you have to, I mean, I think you run into this in the political spectrum and in the more, you know, religious, you know, whatever spectrum, but what makes it feel more singular, which is, it's a detriment and a, and a positive to some extent is especially with, you know, like anti LeBay and Satanism and so theist, uh, anti, bleh, not theistic, uh, more of an atheistic Satanism is then having to deal with the other people. You know, because yeah. you're only going to find a minority of people that are really, really get it, you know? And then you're going to have a bunch of people that have some weird Viking Dungeons and Dragons thing that go along with it. It's just like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. No. No, let's not. You changed your name to say, really? Oh, God. Right. <laughs> like, you've, you, you've, you've taken it to a point where I, I just, you don't seem to get what I'm getting out of this. Right, right. right. I'm getting this beautiful satire and, like, this, uh, like, Ah, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's the same thing, you know, with the political world and stuff like that. You get those people that are just so serious all the time. Right, right. And just, and so politically correct. And, you know, I hate to use politically correct in a bad way because people do that all the time in the same annoying way that people are politically correct. You know what I mean? Right. Basically, people who are, quote-unquote, more politically correct or annoying, but then the people that just use it as a way to say racist shit, you know what I mean? Like, totally. Like, it's just an excuse for them to, like, say fucked-up shit by being anti-PC, you know, so, yeah. you know, whatever. Your parents, like you said, they were, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say they were supportive, but they were just like, well like Nathan is Nathan is doing what Nathan is doing. Like that's, we'll still, yeah. we'll still love him. Like, was it, was there a lot of stress? Yeah. Well, stri- that was, there was definitely butting of heads. I mean, there's no doubt, you know what I mean? Like getting into stuff like that. My, my dad grew up in that era with Abby Hoffman and stuff. And he definitely not that type of dude, like very conservative, you know, stuff like that. So that kind of thing was not his thing whatsoever. And plus being a strident Christian, He's not going to dig the atheist in the face of shit. You <laughs> no, know? not at all. He's just not. You know, that's going to be an affront, you know. But I think he understood my curiosity because, you know, and, and allowed it to an extent. But he wouldn't allow it without me having to explain to a T what I was thinking and why. Mm-hmm. And that's what was cool about it is that it wasn't, you know, he, he also, you know, I had a, I had a copy of Mein Kampf mm-hmm. because I was curious. Right. I wanted to read it, you know? Um, and he came in my room and he found it. And it, as opposed to most families, especially with Jewish heritage, like we have, mm-hmm. uh, would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. it's, it, instead, he came in and he put it down. And he was like, okay, I see you're interested in this. Explain why. I'm sure from your perspective, too, obviously being a parent, like, it's easy to have that knee-jerk reaction to be like, what the fuck are you doing? But like... To, oh, yeah. <laughs> to be able to be able to like kind of step outside yourself and be like, okay, I'm not going to let this bother me. We'll just talk this out, and that's like that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. And I mean, he would definitely let it bother him sometimes, but it was it was productive. Mm-hmm. It was always productive. You know, it was always like, I'm angry. This angers me. You need to explain why you're doing it and yeah. what's going on. Yeah. You know, but he let me talk. You know, and that's what what the best part about it is that I could talk 
but I had to be able to just defend myself. Right. And it really helped me with my skills in debating and things like that, where I, I will not debate something if I don't have a good knowledge of what I'm debating. Sure. And that's, and it's great because people open their stupid mouths all the time on shit they don't know. Constantly. You know? Totally. And, and I, I think it was really great that my dad instilled that and a sense of honesty to be able to know when I'm over my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? No, that's... And just go throw in the cards and like, yeah, okay, I don't know enough. I'm going to go learn. Yeah, yeah. You know? When did the kind of, the idea of obviously like wanting to play in a band, like, because uh, is... And I'm going to be very mad if this is the case that Boy Sets Fire was your legit, like your first band like that you ever played a show with. So it, 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 no, it definitely wasn't. Okay, good. I was going to be yeah. I was going to be pissed if it was. So I'm, I'm glad you you uh, started it with that because even if it was after you saying that, I would have said no. <laughs> I would have made up some band. <laughs> That's perfect. I like that. The um, I, no, I, I had when I lived in Florida. What really got me started is um, I started a couple of just shitty bands here and there that didn't do anything. Then I started a band called Second Nature. And I I hope, I think actually my ex-wife, my son's um, mom, Uh has the videotape at her house. I need to get that back from her some point. (laughs) Um, It's from 99, 98. No, no, it's not oh, what the fuck am I talking about? Because Voice of Fire started in 94. So it was like 89 or 90, somewhere in there, Okay, I had this band called Second Nature. And we played at this place called The Night Owl all the time in Florida. And there's a there's a show that I have on videotape of us playing. And it is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have, I, have this, I have no shirt on. I've got this really long fucking ponytail with the sides and back shaved. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, yeah, I had that fucking haircut. Well, that, <laughs> uh, during that time, I mean, that was, actually, that was like pre-Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers, so you were, oh, yeah. you were kind of a trendsetter. Oh, trailblazing, motherfucker. <laughs> Amazing. I remember the style was always at that point where we were, was to have long hair with it shaved underneath, and you would always wear two t-shirts. I do not know why that was the style. <laughs> yeah. You'd have like a, a smaller t-shirt and a bigger t-shirt over top of it. I remember. Well, Dude, that, no clue. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think that's partially because no bands ever made shirts. I mean, or beyond a large, <laughs> large, was the, point. Yeah, <laughs> large was the smallest shirt. Cause I always, yeah. I, I always look back in my shirt collection of when I was, you know, 15 or 16 years old. And I'm like, dude, why the fuck was I wearing extra large shirts when I was clearly, when I I was clearly a medium, but then I'm like, oh, that's right. Because they don't, they, they, no one cared about shirts that fit you in the nineties. Like that wasn't a thing. Oh, no, no, no. And that was the style. It was sort of like, it was weird. It was almost like, like hip hop culture. You know what I mean? Like it totally was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Big baggy pants, big long shirts. And it's funny because now, like I'll see people that are into pop and stuff with their pants down around their ass and a long shirt and be like, what the, f- Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I did that. I did that. I did that before you. <laughs> when, when I was scared, and fucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't make it any better that I did it before you, but I did it before you. <laughs> and, and I have no right to criticize you now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just because uh, I went there to fit now. And actually that just makes me sound like an old man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like to wear stuff that fits me now. <laughs> so, 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 
<laughs> oh, totally, totally. So basically, once once you got back from high school, or once you went back to Delaware for your senior year, did you did you have pla- mm-hmm. did you have plans to go to college? And like, what was your sort of like eye? Absolutely for the, not. Eye for the future. <laughs> yeah, my my parents were so disappointed in my choices. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, I just wanted to be the clown class clown and fuck off forever. Uh-huh. You know, I just wanted to be that person, and um, I did it. <laughs> um, and Did you actually get that notification in your uh, high school yearbook where it's like, hey, Nathan Gray, class clown? I did not. I did not, and probably only because nobody got the jokes. Okay. Um, I, I spent most of my time getting the shit kicked out of me okay. uh, for it, so I doubt they were going to honor me. Okay. It, you know? got, got it. But um, it was not your normal sense of humor, I don't think. Uh, plus, when I was in 12th grade, it was during the first Gulf War with uh, George Bush Sr., and uh, I did a lot of anti-that shit, you know, at that point. And and also, I was bold enough in Northeast Maryland, which Northeast Maryland, you're not going to know, but is very close to Rising Sun and stuff. It's a very redneck area. It's mm-hmm. very... The the birth of the Klan in this area was in Rising Sun, Maryland, which was very close. Okay. So it's, it's uh, sort of backwoods to an extent. So um, I remember uh, getting my ass kicked a lot, but um, right. I, I remember, you know, I did not see the point, as as some kids do at this at this age, with the whole Pledge of Allegiance thing. Right. It just it didn't connect to me. I was just, why? We're at school. What the fuck do I have to do that for? Mm-hmm. And it was a big deal. And, you know, I started this whole petition that, you know, if you don't want to, you can just sit down and not do it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and it caused a huge uproar. And it, it really confused me and really made me want to fight harder because there's such a non-laid-back approach to stuff like that mm-hmm. with people. And it weirds me out because, like, if somebody wants to think a different way, I don't really give a fuck. Okay, go be that person. I don't care. Right. Like, are you punching me in the face? I don't, I don't care. Fuck it. Um, but, you know, it was called a distraction and all this stuff. It's like, actually, the distraction is when you put me out of the classroom. That's way more distracting than me just sitting there. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know, that was, that was when I was young, got into all that kind of shit, got my butt kicked a lot from people. I remember actually sitting in the guidance counselor's office with this huge dude that he just beat the living fuck out of me, and he's the one fucking crying because his dad's in Iraq, all this stuff. And so I'm sitting here counseling. This, like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, no, that's not how I meant it. That's, you know, I, right. and you just beat the fuck out of me. Right. Like, we could have had this talk beforehand, and I could not have a black eye. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> right. Let's look. That would have been a lot more fun. Now, next time, could you just break down crying and explain why you want to beat me up? Yeah. Then yeah. we can talk about it before you do that, because that hurts. Right. <laughs> when did Boys Has Fire come into your life in regards to the fact that you were like, okay, like obviously I'm not going to college, like I'm just gonna just do what I'm gonna do, but you know, playing in a band is kind of what I what I feel I, right. I think I should do. Right, and that's you know, it's a horrible decision for anyone. <laughs> oh, terrible! <laughs> a- absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely terrible. Don't ever decide to do that with your life. It sucks. And I say that not only out of helping people, but also out of greed because you're flooding the market. Cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Stop making bands. There's enough. Yeah, we don't need competition. No more competition, please. Especially with, you know, the internet and everything. It's just too fucking easy. Yeah. So anyway, point being, 
so, you know, after high school, all that kind of shit, I actually tried to move back down to Florida to hang out with my bandmates from before. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't work out. So I moved back up. And at this point I was about 1920. I got married and my wife got pregnant with Simon, who's my son. He's 19 now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to have to assume that that wasn't, your son is a gift, so to speak. That there wasn't any. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Funny enough, it did happen after we got married though very soon after we got married, but it did happen after we got married, which sure. is, that's the shocker. For anyone to get married that fucking early, somebody better be fucking pregnant. Right. Like, <laughs> that was fucking stupid. Like, right. I, but it, it's funny because I, I'm, I'm glad for it, not only because I got a son out of the situation, mm-hmm. but also because, um, you know, when she and I got divorced, uh, actually my fiance and I now are really good friends with her and her husband. Oh. Um, so it's sort of cool. You lost the wife, but you gained a friend, which is what we should have been in the first place. Right. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you, obviously you don't have the wherewithal to understand that when you're, you know, in your early 20s. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're just partying and having fun. And let's get married. I proposed naked in a bathtub. If that gives you any idea of where I was at the time. Oh. I was fucking feeling Las Vegas style, just fucking losing my mind which is where you should be at that age, you know? <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you may be. I've done a lot of drugs when I'm out of my head drunk. Fuck it. Why not? I'm an idiot. <laughs> Perfect. I'm 20. That makes sense. <laughs> like, fucking shoot me. Yeah. Did you get married in Florida or you got married in Delaware? No, in Delaware. Okay. In Delaware. Uh, it was right around that time. I think Simon was one. I think he was one when I started that band because actually then... I had two bands before Boy Sets Fire in Delaware. When I came back, I started a band called uh, Nine. Okay. And I, I hope we can find a demo sometimes. It's sort of just like a fun pop punk like sort of band. Sort of like the casting out that I did for a little bit. Oh, sure, sure. Um, is that same kind, kind of style. Mm-hmm. And what detracted me from that band is that they didn't give a shit at all. They didn't want to tour. They didn't want to do anything with their life. They didn't care about politics and anything I wrote about that had any kind of social or political statement. They'd sort of laugh at me about it mm-hmm. um, and sort of make fun of me about it. So this is the direct line into Boys That's Fire, which it always makes me laugh now because you always you sometimes get you are handed those moments in life where you get to look back and go. <laughs> Remember when you're laughing at me for the yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. How's your life doing? <laughs> Not good. All right. Awesome. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> Josh and Chad actually formed Voice of Fire. I had no part in the actual beginning stages of it. Sure. Um they were hanging out. They're married to sisters. So they were hanging out together. And I was friends with both of them. I went to high school my twelfth grade year in Northeast Maryland. I went with Chad. And Josh and I were actually friends since birth. Our uh, parents were friends before we were even born. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, so, so we came up together. They were sitting on the front porch talking about, we need to do a band from Delaware that fucking does something, that talks about something, that makes things happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and fortunately, their first thought was, let's get Nathan, mm-hmm. you know? Because I was fucking miserable. And it was a great phone call because Josh called me and was like, was like, hey, I know you're doing a band right now. Chad and I are about to do this thing. And he explained it. And I went, let's do it. I'll call him right now and break it up. I do not give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and 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 to be in it with my two best friends in the world, like Chad and Josh have been my best friends ever. They're my brothers, you know. Uh-huh. So it was like, oh fuck yeah, we're gonna do that. So I I got in touch with the the other guys and was like. Yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> right, right. Took off, and I think they lasted maybe a week longer with some other guy, and it just fizzled out. Sure, sure. Um, because I'm that awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> they were like, "Oh, we just we just lost the the most talented singer since Prince." So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so so uh, uh, so as I'm going to, by the way, I am going to write what you just said on a plaque and hang it in my house because that was fucking awesome good that's you can use that as your pull you can uh just just contact bridge nine real quick you can use that as your pull quote for your marketing sticker (laughs) that is fucking perfect that was probably the best compliment i've ever gotten in my life even if it was joking (laughs) good fucking great good i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad i could give that to you (laughs) no problem you know during the the course of when boys hits fire started to become sort of you know nationally recognized um you Mm -hmm. know the 90s was obviously so much more I guess, politically charged when you look at bands, you know, within the scene, so to speak. Um, And so obviously it was like a thing, like when a band said something in between songs, it was a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, did you get, did you find you get yourself in the band, obviously feeling like we were joking about earlier, like the level of competition where it's like people were trying to out politicize themselves, like saying the, saying the most progressive things ever. um, And, you know, like Jeez, don't so, I know it. Right. Um, so like, let me speak to that real quick because yeah. it was funny because we um we were not prepared for the shit people were gonna be saying, you know? <laughs> like um we uh very progressive political people we're not we're practical, you know, we're very practical about what we believe. Right. I remember um, you know, we got a lot of our stuff from i know for me lyrically bad religion and born against were my two favorites Mm -hmm. you know musically worlds apart lyrically very similar but both very good bands and i remember coming up in that time period we were looked down on for how we acted and who we were we had politics but we were to a lot of these people very conservative i remember being called the rednecks of hardcore before you wow. Know, um, I, I, we I, weren't, we, we were not vegan. We smoked, we that's drank, true. we had fun. We had sex. Like it was fucked up to people. Like we were hypocrites and, and we wore the badge. They would call us hypocrites. We were like, you're right. And so are you. No, that's, that's really we're all fucking hypocrites here. That's really interesting. Cause I definitely did feel, cause I mean, I, myself, like I'm, I'm vegan and straight edge and like that, that obviously that's, mm-hmm. that was something that started you know, when I was 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I definitely remember when you guys, I mean, especially it was like around after the eulogy came out where it's like, I didn't, I felt personally like what you guys were doing was, uh, and not because of how you were presenting it, but you were doing something that was larger than the quote unquote scene. The, the scene is obviously, you know, and I use that in quotes, like it's very insular. It's like, you know, the vegan straight edge, oh, yeah. the vegan straight edge bands will play in front of the vegan straight edge kids and, We'll get that yeah. mess. We'll get that message out to negative four people. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so I felt. Yeah, I definitely felt like. Yeah, like I said, especially around negative that time. Negative four is a great number because it is actually true. Because it will actually change some people to the other side. Totally, <laughs> to one hundred percent. And so that's I. Even though, like, yeah, I knew it's like obviously I knew you guys didn't wave those other philosophical standpoints. I did feel mm-hmm. like it was. It, 
you know, for lack of a better term, like legitimate. I didn't feel like it was like, right. oh, Boys It's Fire is a total affront to everything that I believe, you know? So, but that's, right. that, yeah, but yeah. that I can easily see where people would react the opposite way, where it's like, oh, fuck those guys. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, it was such a, I felt like I was playing shows with my grandparents sometimes. <laughs> like, it was so fucking, like, strict and, like, like, really, guys? Yeah. You think we can just go have some beers and fuck? Like, like, do we have to do this all day? Right. Like, I, you know, I mean, we have. I have great stories about, you know, it's playing with other bands. I would never name them, but right. um, them just trying to be intense all the time. Like, we go back and stay at somebody's house, and we're drinking beers and having fun, hitting on girls because we're young and stupid, you know. And and they're like in the corner reading poetry, <laughs> like, dude, fuck you. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, for Christ's sake. Right, right. I don't even care, like, if you're not gonna drink or whatever, but come have fun. Like, it's just like, it's just stupid. And I I just remember we were not ashamed of ourselves. We weren't, you know, we were just doing what we did and had fun. And uh, there were what was supposedly derogatory quotes towards us that we took as badges of honor, you know? And just went, yeah, we have a belief system but we're not swallowing your bullshit. Mm. Like, you know, I remember playing at this, one of the many more than music festivals where there was this, oh my God, I can't even believe like, as I'm saying it, how (laughs) insane it was. Like there was this circle. And I I think it was led by that band race trader at the time. It was just so convoluted and silly. Mm. And it was just a bunch of fucking dirty white kids sitting around talking about how bad it was to be white and like how privileged they were and shit. And like, Oh, we're terrible people. And it's like, I remember Josh and I was like, sitting there like, I don't feel like a bad person. I feel all right about myself. Like there's some shit we need to go change, but I don't have a car. I'm poor as shit. Like, uh, you know, we got to put food on the table for our kids, just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't feel bad. You know, I yeah. just don't like not only that, but you can throw the fucking race card around all you want, but you're still a white kid with fucking dreads. Right. Right. You know, and not only that, but there's still plenty of people who are black that are way better off than you. And it's about fucking class. It's not about fucking race. Those things intermingle. Sure. And we can talk about that, but I'm not going to sit around and have a pity party about how privileged I am. Yeah. It's fucking horseshit. Yeah. Like, well, it's it is, so, it's really interesting too because I, I mean I personally was unaware of the fact that I mean you know yourself and obviously I imagine other members of Boys It's Fire like you guys had quote unquote real world responsibilities back home in the sense of you know there was, oh, yeah. there were families and children that were yeah. like so it it, it wasn't uh, I think obviously with that comes a tempered sense of reality where it's just like like you said you're realistic about your political beliefs um, yeah. And so it's obviously much easier to be idealistic and, you know, a freegan when you're, uh, you know, dump, oh, yeah. d- when you're, you're dumpster diving when you're 20 well, years old. when you're a fucking trust fund kid. Right. It's fucking simple. You know what I mean? And I've got nothing against those people. Like, right. it's funny because, like, I've got nothing against, like, if you're handed everything in life, please accept it. Yeah. Like, and accept do, and, that you're handed everything in life and be happy about it. Right. And do something. The second and, you get and, depressed about it, you're an asshole. Totally. And and on that same point, you can also do something positive with that. Like do yeah. like do yeah. 
I mean, it's great that you're active within this, you know, independent subculture. Um, but you uh, know, but use use what you have to your advantage. And and you know what? Go home. Your parents love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fucking cut it out. Stop fucking panhandling for me, you fucking dick. There's people out there that actually need the fucking money. Right. You right. fucking asshole. Like it just it drives me insane. And feed your dog while you're fucking at it. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, God. Yeah. So. Um, you know, we came up in that atmosphere, and and it was just so oppressive and weird. I was like, I feel like I'm going to church again. Right. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm in my early 20s. Can I just have a beer and get laid? Like, honestly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was a point I, I know got me in a lot of trouble a lot of times when I was younger, is that I never saw the point in being ashamed of liking sex. Uh-huh. And that was a weird thing during the early hardcore days. Totally. Where it was like, it was like everybody was being accused of rape and everything was wrong and sex was dirty. And I felt like I was in church again. Yeah. And it was like, if I'm somewhere and a cute girl looks at me and wants to have sex, I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Right. Like, like that I can be somewhere and someone thinks I'm attractive and they want to do it to me. Word. <laughs> right. That's, that's cool. Like, cause I grew up in a, in the school system and all that shit where I was nobody, you know what I mean? Nobody gave a fuck who I was. Right. You know, it's just the same thing as that, how I take interviews now, because like, who the hell gave a fuck back in the day? What I was saying. Right. People actually give a fuck. Awesome. Thank you for caring. Right. <laughs> you know? Totally. But um. But anyway, the point being is that we just saw things a lot different, and from a more practical sense. Sure. To where we're human beings, and this is how we are. And I think you know a lot of my belief systems and what drew me to, like I was saying, Anton LaVey and stuff like that, helped in those situations. Right. You know. Um, in well, you, being more practical and, and realizing that I'm a human animal, basically, you know, um, you felt, you felt like you had a leg to stand on and that's like, that's important, obviously. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that probably the only other person that I know I talked to at the time that I would give incredibly huge props to right now for just blowing the minds of those little fucking uh, just yeah. self-absorbed pussies was Sean Ingram from Coalesce. Oh, yeah, for sure. He was beautiful. Like, it was just amazing to watch that guy work. Like, like, he would go in and destroy every sacred cow, every fucking, like, pent-up fucking little asshole. He'd just tear him apart. It was awesome. Yeah. Like, and we'd sit there and talk about, you know, he and I would get along and we'd just sit there and talk about stuff because it was was awesome to have uh, someone that, felt the same way, you know? And, you know, as it's, as another, you know, Mamiya Bojamal fucking booth gets set up for something they're never going to do anything about, you know? It just, right. No, no, for it, sure. It, it was funny, you know what I mean? Yeah, to, yeah. To have a, a partner in crime to fuck with these people with. Yeah, well, that's that's a, it's important. You feel like you're a sense of community that way. And so with the, because obviously once you know once a good head of steam started to happen with Boy Sits Fire, and obviously once you guys had sort of you know made an impact, and obviously like Victory Records came along, I remember distinctly in my own head that being kind of the first time that I remember a band within the independent scene 
kind of like getting quote unquote heat, like from an industry perspective where it was like, wow, like some, you know, all these labels are trying to sign boys, it's fire. And it was like, as that was swirling around you guys, was it just like so completely overwhelming that you were just like, wow, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Like, let's try this. It was, it was mostly overwhelming because the second we stopped playing just basements to five people, we were, we were sellouts. And, um, it didn't matter if we were sticking to our guns or not. What mattered was labels and what mattered was the amount of people that would come see you. And at that second, you were a sellout. Mm-hmm. And it was at that moment we decided, well, then that's what we fucking are. We're going to be who we are. We're going to be true to ourselves. We're going to sign to stuff and we're going to do stuff that we feel is right. And those people can call us sellouts all they like. And that's when we really realized how fucking how fucking bullshit the term hardcore family can be. Oh yeah. You know, um, because they want you to tout their family hardcore as if it's the best thing that's ever happened. But when it really comes down to it, they'll turn their back on you in a fucking second. That was our experience. I know other people have had other experiences and people get down on me when I talk any kind of shit on hardcore, which I think proves my point. You know? Sure. Um, is that, people are blind to the fact that subcultures like that can be negative as well as positive. Totally. Um, And if we're not honest with ourselves, then the same bullshit keeps happening. Mm -hmm. And we have to be honest with ourselves that subcultures need to evolve and they need to look at themselves and criticize themselves and realize what needs to change. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that had, had to change. And, And this would be my point is that the fact that, Hardcore was unable to evolve because it was already an evolved thing. Hardcore was a beautiful thing at the time because you could have the promise ring, damnation, and split lip play at the same time. Right. And that was a metal band, a pop band, and a country band playing at the same time called Hardcore. Like, that's awesome. You know what I mean? You don't have that anymore. Um, And and that was the beauty of, of what was called Hardcore is that it was that open, awesome thing that it was about your ethics and your stance and what you were doing more than about the style of music. And, and we ruined it because we turned it in, we took it too seriously and we started attacking those who strayed, you know, sure. instead of going, okay, that's cool. You guys go do your thing. We're going to stay here and do this. Mm-hmm. You know, we started attacking right. and, and, and what made it, more ridiculous is that there were so many more important things out there. There was a war going on. There were several wars going on while punk zines were talking about who's selling out now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Let me tell you, some kid that just stepped on a fucking landmine in Somalia could give a fuck if your favorite band sold out. Right. No, totally. Let's go talk to him about it. You yeah. know, like yeah, it's in, it's it's just, it's inconsequential when it comes from that perspective, and it's yeah. it's yeah, it's so funny because that doesn't what's what's sucks about it is that we didn't realize that that was inconsequential, but we also didn't realize that hardcore could be something more, yeah. and it could continue to evolve, and it could continue to become something that wasn't just some weird little cult. Right. That um, you know, it, it 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 was and could become even more, and we we let it down. We let it down. We let ourselves down, and and that sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, well, we did. We we allowed bands. Basically, when bands went for the money, that was our fault. 
mm-hmm. because we did not support those bands. Sure. You know what I mean? People did not, within the hardcore, and I, I keep myself in that community, we did not do what we could to keep what it was underground and DIY and help bands to do that. Because the second they would ask for anything mm-hmm. to keep themselves alive, we'd call them a sellout. Sure. So they had no choice. Right. They're like, well, fuck, I got to feed a family, and this is my art, and this is what I love. I don't want a normal job. I can't. I will shoot myself in the face, like, if, if I have to get something else. Like, I just I have to be happy. Yeah, no, and, so, and it struck me, even obviously as, like, an, you know, a, a fan of what you guys have done over the years, where it was like, it seemed like every move that you made was just a logical next step progression. Even, like, obviously when people looked at the move you guys did when you signed, obviously, with Wind Up, where it was just like, you know, what the fuck is this band doing? But it's just like, well, what are they going to do now? They they released right. they released a critically acclaimed and very popular sales wise record with Victory, who was obviously the largest independent label at that time. What are you going to do after that? Yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah. You you have to look at it like I I mean a band that I always cite anytime anybody is looking at the idea of, you know, sellouts, which is such, such a, you know, that term doesn't even mean anything to me anymore. It's like, right, you, it's such a bullshit term. totally. Yeah. It's like, I look at a band like rise against, and I don't think anybody who ever can look at the lineage of that band and look at who the, indivi- mm-hmm. the individuals that compromise or comprise that band, they, none of them, right. can, none of them can look at them and be like, Oh yeah, they're sellouts. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like they're playing, right, right. they're playing in front of 10,000 people talking about very politically charged messages uh, and also, mm-hmm. and also promoting, you know, straight edge, vegetarianism, veganism, like all these ideas uh-huh. that kids would never fucking hear. That's great. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly, you know, what obviously you guys were trying to do as well. And plus, you know, even more importantly, they're doing what they want to do with their lives. Totally. And for fuck's sake, like, <laughs> if you don't like it, go do something else. Like start a band and go be different. Right. You know? For sure. Like, it, it's not that difficult. Just let people do what they need to do. Right. Was was the was the business side of the band uh, pretty overwhelming for you guys? Just because I mean, uh, obviously- oh yeah, yeah, and that's that's why I actually I can't I, I can't listen to Tomorrow Come Today anymore. Sure, like, it just it sucks. I hate it. Yeah, I um I love playing songs off of it live, right? Because they sound raw and good again. Yeah, on that album, oh, I I wish I could find Jay Baumgartner and fucking feed him arsenic. <laughs> I just fucking, I hate that man. And um, I I would never talk shit on Wind Up. Sure. Only because of the fact that they, um, what was really cool about them is that they let us out of our contract when they knew it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was like obvious that, you know, guys, this isn't working. They let us out of our contract and they were actually awesome about it. Like yeah. they, they could have, they could have made us, they could have broke us. They could have very easily, um, been like, well, fuck you. You owe us millions of dollars now, or at least a million dollars. And, um, we would have been fucked and you would have never heard from us again, but they, um, they actually were like, okay, cool. You're out. And that was it. Yeah. And so, um, I'm yeah, you can't, thankful to them. Totally. You can't, you can't look at that scenario and be like, mm-hmm. oh, well they dropped the ball cause they didn't place a full page ad and spin or whatever. It's like, no, they let us, right. out of, they let us out of our contract. Like, that's great. We, yeah. It was a business relationship and, that didn't work, and there we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and we got uh, we got treated in a fair, well, in a more than fair manner. But, um, you know, it's funny, and it's, it's sort of what I tell people now. Like if they bitch about labels and shit like that, 
but you got yourself into the fucking situation. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how I feel about myself. I, I wish I could take back ever signing with that label. And it's not because of anything they did, they did necessarily. They just did what I should have known they were going to do. Yeah. You know? uh, and it's not their fault. They were playing the game. Totally. And they were meant to play the game. They're, you know? Yeah, you were you they looked at your band and they said, Oh, this is this is something that we can potentially make money off of. And like not in right, a yeah, it's, not, not it's in viable a, for that totally. reason. And um and you know, for for us, we were not able to make the compromises that they wanted us to make. And we should have known beforehand that we were not able to make those compromises. Yeah. Um we knew ourselves, you know, and, and we didn't think. We thought that, you know, we would just write that hit and they would be happy with us and it'd be all right, you know? Right. But we were not going to write that hit, you know? And we were not going to have people help us write, you know? It just, there were things we weren't going to do covers to try to, like, you know, get in the market or whatever the fuck kind of bullshit, weird shit they talk about that I don't understand. And we didn't understand what we were doing. And it, that was our fault. Yeah. And fuck it, we learned a great lesson and now... We're doing the complete opposite and doing it the way we feel it should be done. You know, from the the way that things have progressed, it's like, uh, you know, looking where you guys are at now and obviously the fact that it's like, you know, you're you've taken the record, you've licensed it out to partners that you trust across the world. And it's like, you you know, you're obvious. It's a return to what it was like, obviously, when you were signed with initial, like, you know, just kind of doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, And I'm sure I'm sure that's obviously a refreshingly fun way to do things yeah oh it's it's fucking great i i wouldn't trade it for the world and it's so much fun to now it, yeah, honestly it's it's so much fun now to be doing several things that i love you yeah. know I'm, I'm doing voice of fire and at the same time i've got my other band i am heresy that i'm doing right which is with with my son actually right and, and i mean obviously it's a pretty hacky question because I, I could never even though i love my father and uh, <laughs> I, I just never like, I mean, and obviously because he's not into anything that I'm into, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So it's like the, you know, the, the idea of that existing is it, it's honestly, it's comical. Like it's funny for me. Oh, yeah. to, and, and I mean, I'm sure, oh, it's, yeah. I'm sure it's funny for you guys too. Definitely. <laughs> and so, so does the, like that, obviously is something that he brought up to you being like, this would be a fun thing for us to do, dad. Okay. Nope. I, I brought him into the band cause he's a fucking sweet guitar player. Good. Okay. Um, and, it, and it's really funny because we, um, we've never had a normal father and son relationship. Sure. We're just, I guess, cause we had him early, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So we've got a pretty just basic friendship relationship. I mean, obviously I get to tell him what to do sometimes, but other than that, you know, Right. It's a pretty basic um, friendship. Um, but, you know, I he's an incredibly talented guitar player. And it was sort of like um, I was looking for someone to help me start this more ferocious, metal, crazy, like fucking blasphemous band. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, Simon's perfect for that. Like, you know, so why would I need to look anywhere else? Right. You it's, know, if he if he is doing the music I want to do, if he has the same mindset and all this shit, why why, why would I do anything different? You know, he, he's at he's at my house, so why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very simple. Hey, he's right downstairs. I'll ask him. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, so. for sure. And so, just because obviously I've, I've kept you for a while, just to sort of wrap things up. 
the fact that you have been able to obviously survive and be, you know, relevant in this this day. I mean, you know, 2013 when the band, like you said, started in '94, and like that's you know that's yeah. fun, that's weird. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and so it's like, you know, obviously, ever since you started to you know play shows again and be more active, what's the uh, you know what's the one difference that you notice in people either you know approaching you, giving you feedback, or is it just like the fact that you're playing with completely different bands at shows? Like, what's what's the most stark realization that you've had since you've been back? Um, I'm the stark realization that I've had about being back is that. It's so much fun, more fun now. We know what path we're on. You know, uh, it's so much easier when you're not fighting for anything. You're there to have fun, and that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. You're playing shows with your friends. You're playing music that you believe in. And there are no more barriers. With the departure of Matt, our original drummer, Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of other decisions that we've made, it's great again to me, you know, it's, it's where we should have been a while ago. And it's, it's where I'm proud to say we finally come back to. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, I can be proud of this band again. And that, that, that makes me very happy. You know, we, we broke up for a while. It was a very low point. Uh, and it came right before me having a, a lot of struggles with feeling happy and feeling proud of the band. And, uh, and now, I have all that back again, and it, it's very exciting. I mean, ultimately, that's obviously what anybody wants when they're doing something creative, is just to feel yeah. to feel like you're a part of something or just doing something on your own that, you know, even a small amount of people are connecting with, because that's, we're obviously, everybody, yeah, everybody's searching for that sense of, like, oh, yeah, like, I get it, you get it, like, we're cool together, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, I'm very happy for you, Nathan. That's great. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to hang out. I hope you enjoyed the uh, the random experience that is this interview. <laughs> I No, absolutely. No, I've, I fucking loved it. And uh, if you get a chance, because I always try to plug this to listen to this, my band, I Am Heresy, also. Of course. Uh, both Voice of Fire and I Am Heresy are very important parts of what I do. I will probably also be doing some solo stuff in the future. And hopefully that'll be it. Just those three bands, because I, I will kill myself. I have two more. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's 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 but, that's way that's way too much. Three is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. All right, so there is Nathan in all of his glory, and I was really, really happy with this conversation, mostly because you know it, it really crystallized in my own head what the band was going through what the band kind of put out there because you know I, like when I started listening to them I was like 17 18 years old I had all these perceptions of who they were and what they were trying to do and then to kind of you know go full circle and be like oh I see what they were trying to do or my notions about the band were correct and it was a pleasure for me to do that and Nathan was just so gracious in his time and uh, the candid answers he gave because you could tell he's at the point in his life where it's like yeah everything's an open book because um, you know I really I try to make sure that before I do these interviews, I kind of give people the rundown so they know it's not just some standard question and answer interview. And uh, I will, if I hit on something that they're not comfortable with, we don't have to talk about it. Uh, But Nathan was, you know, so gracious, opened everything up. Anyways, propertyofzack.com, 100wordspodcast.com. Tom Richfield is our editor. And uh, yeah, until next week, be safe, everybody. Walls around